Take your Bibles, turn to Psalm 150. We've had an amazing summer, um, and we look forward to an amazing fall. One of the things that has been great for me this summer is to watch as our leadership has grown in the midst of it. Not only our student leaders, although we've seen them grow, but as Noah said, it was his first summer of Noah leading for the entire summer. Um, obviously, he got here at the, at the, in the springtime. It's also the first summer that Krista Steelman has been our interim children's director and led. And both of those people, Noah and Krista, have done an amazing job leading our kids and our youth this summer. Would you just show your appreciation to them? And like I said, it's just the beginning for them. This, this Wednesday night, they have a welcome to the youth group and welcome to the children's ministry party for those kids that are moving up from kindergarten into first grade and for those kids that are moving from fifth to sixth grade with school starting in Sumner County tomorrow, um, August 1st. They keep getting earlier and earlier, but uh, we, uh, we, they, they have a kickoff for that. And then in two weeks, on Wednesday night, the 17th, um, they have a big kickoff happening for our youth and kids ministry, fall kickoff that inviting friends to. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so I'll be praying for them in these days ahead as we kind of look towards that, as we as a church look forward to what God is going to do. Psalm 150 is a psalm for today. There are a few reasons that I felt the Lord leading me to preach on this. One is Today's our last in our series of messages called Summer Mixtape. It's a summer series. We're finishing today. We're excited about that. And it's Psalm 150, which is the last psalm. It seems appropriate. We started with Psalm 1. We end with Psalm 150. The second reason is because Psalm 150 ends the psalms in absolute praise. In worship. Giving thanks to God for who He is and what He's done. Next week, we're going to actually spend some time looking back at some of what God has done over the last several years. But just when I think about the last several months, we baptized more since March in that period of time than in any other time in in four months during my ministry here at First Baptist. That's worth shouting about there, right? We've seen uh, people start to investigate us as a church. That's always a good thing. People wondering about what's going on here. Our youth group has seen numbers increase. Noah told me that two weeks ago, in the middle of the summer, in the midst of a time when everything else is low, that they had their largest attendance on Wednesday night that they've had since he's been here. Things are growing. Things are happening. That's exciting to see. It's also just been an awesome year to reconnect. I thought what Grace said was so important there. Um, camps felt like camp. They felt normal. They felt like it was something that was just part of who we are and what we're doing. Um, our Wednesday, awesome Wednesday nights, our awesome summer nights, um, there was a picture in the VBS video of a group of people gathered around doing a puzzle together. They did a, a 550-piece puzzle in about, I said let's do it in an hour and a half. It was a little more than an hour and a half. We weren't here till midnight, but we were here later, but just to see different generations gathering around, to see some of the reconnection that happened there. And in the midst of that, the words that kept coming to my mind were praise the Lord. 
And so what I want us to do today is I want us to read this psalm together and then I'm going to talk about it for a minute. And I want you to stand as we do that. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. The words will be on the screen. And I want you to read this. Sometimes when you do, when I was growing up, we did lots of responsive readings. Anybody here responsive readings? Remember those? All right. We did a lot of responsive readings. There was a very monotone way in which those happened. Because you were so worried about messing your stuff up that you just read them very flatly. This is not a psalm to reread monotone or flatly. And so as we read it, I want you to read it, to put into it what it says. All right? So go ahead and put that start up on the screen and we'll go pretty quick. All right? By the way, just, just so you know, um, you do know what an exclamation means, right? I'm just making sure. All right. Ready? Starting in verse 1. Hallelujah! Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His powerful acts. Praise Him for His abundant greatness. Praise Him with the blast of a ram's horn. Praise Him with harp and lyre. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and flute. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. That's fun. Right? And what I love about this psalm is it ends, the last several psalms all begin and end with the same word. Hallelujah. Psalm 146, hallelujah, and ends with hallelujah. Psalm 147, hallelujah, and ends with hallelujah. Psalm 148, hallelujah, and ends with hallelujah. Psalm 149 begins with hallelujah and ends with hallelujah. Psalm 150 begins with hallelujah and ends with the last word of the Psalms is hallelujah. Now that's an important word because what it does is it tells us to whom we are giving praise. In fact, this whole psalm answers the questions of who and where and why and how we praise the Lord. The first thing tells us very plainly that we are to praise the Lord. Hallel is to speak good about or to tell a good story about or to sing praises of. And then the last word, hallel, that's that Jah, J-A-H, is a shortened form of Yahweh. The personal name of God. So every time you say hallelujah, you're saying praise the Lord. Psalm 150 is like a crescendo of praise that is ushered forth as it is built from Psalm 1 that talks about the wisdom of God and what it looks like in our lives. And then you go through complaint and you go through lament. And then as you go through the psalm, this is what's interesting, as you go through the psalms, the psalms become less lamenting, less complaining, and more praising. There's a progression from Psalm 150 to 150, I mean Psalm 1 to 150. And when you get to 150, it's almost like we can't contain it anymore. We have to let it out. We can't stop this feeling of worship inside of us. It is going to explode. Hallelujah. And it tells us that the who that we worship is the Lord God Almighty. 
Those first three verses. Hallelujah. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Hallelujah, by the way, I've got these two things highlighted because I mentioned already that Jah is the shortened form of Yahweh in the Hebrew. But what's interesting is there was another name. There were two names that were kind of equated with God majorly in the Old Testament. There was Yahweh, the personal name of God, the God name that was given to Moses. It was given to him about who he is. I am who I say I am. And then there was El, which is the God, the, the high one, the mighty one, the exalted one. So it's the personal God and the holy sovereign God. And in the first two words, really, of this entire psalm, you get Yahweh and El put together, basically saying, praise the complete nature of who God is and everything that he is about. Praise the Lord God Almighty. You have to remember that these people lived in a place and in a time when people thought there were pantheons of gods. Psalm 150 would have been written during a time when there would have been competing wars between nations and they believed that as their nation won, their God was victorious. That there were warring God factions. And in the midst of all of that was this tiny group of people, this nation that proclaimed, we do not believe that there are pantheons of gods, of different ones that are fighting each other. We believe in one true, almighty, sovereign God who rules over all. And at the end of Psalm 150, it says, praise the Lord, God Almighty. We may not live in a world that has pantheons of gods, although literally one of the biggest movies of the summers of the summer, Thor, is about a pantheon of gods. We may not live in a world that actually believes that, but we live in a world that's trying to dismiss the claims of a one true God that tells us who He is and that He is the one God. And as God's people, we know that every good gift comes from Him. And His glory is the purpose of our lives. This morning I visited some Sunday school rooms and I was going to go into one and Alan Searcy was on a tangent about the glory of God being the purpose of our lives. And I literally stood outside and listened and decided not to interrupt because you don't, I would, you don't interrupt a guy when he's going like that. I was just reminded again of our purpose is to praise the Lord God Almighty. Why? Why do we praise Him? What gives us that in the next two verses? We praise Him for what He has done and who He is. For who He is and what He has done. Verse 2. Praise Him for His powerful acts. Praise Him for His abundant greatness. We praise God because He is God Almighty. Because He is ruler of all. Because He is holy and powerful and loving. He is good and gracious. And He is kind to us. That He is patient with us. We praise Him for His powerful acts because of what He's done in our lives. 
We praise Him because He is someone that has saved us from our sin. He is someone that has gifted us with everything we need to follow and to walk with Him. He has given us everything that is required for life. We praise Him for His powerful acts. And we praise Him for His abundant greatness. We do this at the end of the summer every year to praise God for what He's done. Partially because it's a report to you who give so generously at our extravagant giving in May to be able to help students go to camp. We had students that went to camp this year that could not have gone except that you gave and made it possible for them to go. That's just reality. And there are lives that will be for eternally changed because of it. I don't know what other kind of investments you've got. I don't know if you've got investors in crypto or the stock market. I hope not. That's been painful to watch your 401k lately, hasn't it? Here's what I know. There's no better investment than you will ever have than in seeing the ability to send a kid to camp that eventually gives their life to Jesus or turns their life into a testimony of His grace. You praise Him for who He is and for what He's done. Here's a quote from A.W. Tozer. I think we've Got it on the screen. I just love it. Some of you have been around for 15 years. No, I love A.W. Tozer. And this is what he said. He said, God, if you never answer another prayer while I live on this earth, I will still worship you as long as I live and in the ages to come for what you have done already. God's already put me so far in debt that if I were to live one million millenniums, I couldn't pay him for what he's done for me. He is worthy. There's a new song. We sang it at the beginning of this summer. The song by a guy named Phil Wickham. It's just called Worthy of My Song. And there's a powerful moment in the midst of that that says, when I was sitting next to that hospital bed, you were worthy. And when she breathed her final breath, you were worthy. And when you come to call me home, you'll be worthy. I'll never stop singing your praise. The Lord is worthy of our song. Can I tell you something? If no kids got saved this summer, if our camps were a disaster and VBS was a failure, God's still worthy. We're not a results-based worthiness of God. God is worthy regardless of results or situations or circumstances in our life. He is worthy. And then the question becomes, then how do we worship Him? We worship Him with everything we are and everything we have. Verse 3 starts to describe how we worship. It says, praise Him with the blast of a ram's horn. Praise Him with the harp and a lyre. Praise Him with the tambourine and ants. Praise Him with string and flute. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. It's interesting because there is a description that some scholars see here of what is happening is the praise is starting in the center of the temple, in the center of where the worship of the, of the people of Israel and is expanding beyond the gates into the outer courts and into the broader world. We've already been told that we are to praise Him in His 
firmament. We are to praise Him in His sanctuary. The idea is we are to praise Him at every place and every time and everywhere. And then when it begins to talk about the blast of the ram's horn, that would have been something central to Israelite worship. It's really the shofar is what it is there. But in our day, it would be something like a trumpet. It would have been a shouting kind of thing. It would have been an announcement. It would have been a declaration. Worship is here. It's time to worship. It was a battle cry kind of instrument. It was a loud instrument that would declare that the king is here. The king is coming. Be prepared and ready for the king. And so worship began for them in a declaration of the power and the might and the glory of the king of kings and the lord of lords. And it starts to emanate from there. When it talks about the ram's horn, it goes to the harp and the lyre. Those are stringed instruments there. It was literally like our, the lyre especially, was like our modern day guitar. It would have been a stringed instrument that would have been held and strummed and played. And in fact, the first word here that's translated harp, they're not real sure. That's the traditional stand-up harp, that it may have been something a little different, something handheld. But the idea is that you were to play it with whatever instrument is there. The stringed instruments, there's wood instruments, there's there's uh, percussion instruments. In fact, it says the tambourine. That would have been something that people held that they played as they danced, as they moved around. It was like a tambourine that you would normally have uh, in today's world that I played as a child in my elementary school music program because I didn't have the rhythm to play anything else. He plays him with the strings and the flute. It would have been a held, handheld thing. And then verse 5 is literally play him with the loudest noises, praise him with the loudest noises you can. When it says resounding cymbals and clashing cymbals, there were kinds of cymbals there. They are thinking of huge cymbals that they would bang together as loudly as they could. Let me just ask you a quick question, reading what we just read. Does that sound reserved to you? That's not a rhetorical question. I wanted the answer to that question. Does that sound reserved to you? No. I guess some of you are about to get mad at me. It's not me. This is Psalm 150. And the reason is because the God that we serve deserves everything that we've got. Somehow we're still fighting worship wars. People have said about the introduction of instruments back into worship that were there in Psalm 150. And yet it's scriptural. In fact, it's unscriptural not to have whatever we can use. Because Scripture commands it here. This isn't suggestion. This isn't, hey, you know what would be good if you like it. This is how we are to express our worship to Him. With everything we are and everything we have. By the way, if you take out the dancing, which some scholars point this out, there are seven instruments listed. Some of you are numerologists biblically. What's the number seven mean in Scripture? It's perfection, completion. Those scholars point out that what's here is not saying these are the only instruments they're using. It is saying you use the complete catalog that has been given to you. When I was at a previous church, that narrows it down because I've only been at one other church. When I was at a previous church, I had somebody come up because we introduced guitars for the first time. 
and they were upset about it. And they said, I don't think that's biblical. All right. I said, there is a, there is a um, instrument on stage that's not mentioned biblically. You're right. It's the piano. They didn't like that. Now, it's there. There's strings that are used for it. So I understand. I'm not a music. But you understand what I'm saying, right? The guitar is there. The lyre is there. But the point is, use whatever you've got to praise the Lord. And then it tells us in verse 6 that nobody is beyond excuse. Now let me just say something about that, this last phrase, and then we're, we're done, okay? Except for um, singing and the Lord's Supper and a special time of prayer. Verse 6 says, let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Now, sometimes you'll hear that interpreted, let everything that has breath. Let the, let the, the animals and those that are in the animal kingdom praise the Lord. Well, I'm not saying that the animals don't praise the Lord. Scripture talks about things that praise the Lord. But the words that are used there specifically in the Hebrew are the words that are used to describe how God gave life to human beings that He breathed into them. And so it says, let all those basically creatures that have the breath of life from God in them give praise to the Lord. The idea is, let every single human being across the face of the earth give praise to God. The idea is not inclusive or exclusive of anything other than if you're human being, God ought to be the force of your praise. Now, I'd start to ask for you to raise your hand if you're a human being in the room today, but some of you just wouldn't raise your hand. Right? And if you are, then the expectation is you do whatever it is that gives glory to God with your life. Hallelujah. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His powerful acts. Praise Him for His abundant greatness. Praise Him with the blast of a ram's horn. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with the tambourine and dance. Praise Him with the strings and flute. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Praise Him with the clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to end the service today by praising the Lord. And so we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And I invite you, as the worship band comes, to praise the Lord. Go ahead and stand for me. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing together. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for today and for the chance we have to praise you. So Lord, we pray that in this moment, we would honor you with our lips and our hearts and that you would receive the praise of your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.